a shawl away. It's broken up into a shawl away. And it came from a discussion I was having with a friend of mine a long time ago before any of this started, just about how we wanted to show up in the world and being in that fantasy. I just want to live in a world where this happens and this is what I want to do every day. And it was the, let's just get yurts and just make people feel good and do yoga and massage. And I just want to be like Stevie Nicks and wispy and just twirl with shawls and flowy things and just be in the state. And he just said, Natalie, you're just a shawl away. And I said, there it is, just a shawl away. (laughs) That's Natalie Hauser, a professional counselor turned executive coach. Today, we're going to talk about a way of coaching that's different again from the coaches we've talked to so far on Coach on Your Shoulder. There are some obvious overlaps between the world of therapy and of executive coaching, so you might find this illuminating as you look for a coach to work with. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you started thinking of the idea of transitioning from being a counselor to being a coach, what was the thing that got you thinking, I need to move to this new territory? I will say that my therapeutic approach was in the line of coaching, was more of an interactive, directive approach. And working within the mental health piece of it, the emotional piece of it, but then on now what? What are we going to do? And really finding as a clinician excitement in those moments where people are applying the skills, where they're in that space of implementing things in that place of doing and or maintenance. That's my sweet spot. And the pandemic really definitely changed some things and just how I wanted to show up. I noticed what my clients were bringing in, what they were needing was more of consulting, more advisory stuff, more coaching, make sense of what's happening and less of spending in this realm of working within a mental health space. It's I'm functioning pretty much okay. I can tick all the boxes and do all the things, but I just need honing this skill or why isn't this catching or what is up with this behavior? I know what I need to be doing and why isn't it happening? So you found that you were practically coaching as part of your practice already. And I do agree that shorter line between discussion and action can be good. You Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to think in terms of many months or multiple years to work Mm -hmm. through a set of issues, right? Sometimes the coaching part can be try this tomorrow and let me know how that goes. It seems like the places where there's overlap between what we do as a coach and what you're doing as a therapist. Do you feel like that's the case? Yes. This is a conversation that I've been having for a while going over this idea and what this transition would look like. And when I speak to the therapist in my life in the therapy field, it's hard to differentiate between therapy and coaching. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. When I talk to coaches without that therapeutic skill set, they're just like, oh my gosh, there's a need for that perspective or that overlap. Or they're talking about times where maybe they dipped into a therapeutic relationship because we can't just do something different and expect that's not going to impact how we feel because we were doing it the way we were doing it for a reason. And so if we start to change things, it's going to change how we feel and what we're sensing. And so both of them have to be part of it. We have to understand how our behaviors are impacting our feelings and how our feelings impact our behaviors. Do you feel like that overlap and your ability to cross from one space to the other makes it so that there's a kind of ideal client for you as a coach? My ideal client in any realm is when it starts to feel personal. 
when there is a dissonance or a conflict in roles you're having, performances you need to do, you need a different perspective, you're stuck on something, and we could get some rigidity around it. So that would be the ideal client is somebody who's, there is something about me and how I'm interacting with this thing that I can't figure out. Or I'm holding two truths and I can't be in service of just one or I need to be in service of both or whatever it is. How does a person know that they're in that position? It, it has occurred to me that sometimes people are a bit oblivious to the issue that they have, and they basically point fingers elsewhere for quite a long time when really they're the ones that really could use some help. Are there clues in our day-to-day that tell us, I need a coach? Yeah, I think that would be one of the things is noticing. Are you spending a lot of time pointing outward? This is happening because it's happening to me. I feel this way because other people aren't doing a thing. And are you including yourself in that? So if you're saying the environment or the system isn't showing up for me or is performing a certain way, how are you showing up? And are you doing the thing that you are also asking of it? What is your version of doing that thing too? How are you interacting with it? What is your relationship Mm -hmm. to it? Mm -hmm. Are you even able to perceive it? Maybe it is already happening, right? And you're not seeing it for what it is, or it's not coming in the package that you're used to understanding it or able to conceptualize it in. Are there other ways to think of ideal clients? Some people specialize in working with nonprofits. Some people specialize in healthcare. Do you specialize in certain businesses? You say, I can help these people more. I don't have industry specific knowledge. I'm not going to be able to coach you into a role or how to perform in a certain context. What I can do is tell you how performing that role or being in that context is making you feel or what it means to you to perform that role. And so that's, again, where we're finding the human in the role. If there's something personal that's impacting your performance, that's where I can show up. And I'm going to be outside of your industry. I don't know how to implement the structure, what you were taught, what your culture tells you about how to interact with it. But if you've already gone through mentorship in your industry and it still doesn't feel right, I'm doing all the things and again, still, Mm-hmm. That's where I would come in. What is this? It's a repeating theme for coaches that the experience that we may or may not have in your specific business or in your specific company isn't actually that important. Sometimes it's that fresh set of eyes, right? Mm-hmm. The ability to see something that you can't see because you're sitting right there in the middle of the weeds and we're not. So how do you help a person pull themselves out of that difficult spot of being right in the weeds and starting to get a a look up and around what's going on. I'm going to talk about our perception about things. There's the idea of perception and our language that we have. So if we don't have language for something or the language we do use for it, gives it context, tells us how to interact with it. Yeah. It just tells us what it is. And there's this experiment that happened a while back. There's a Northern Namibian tribe where they looked at the language that they have for colors and where we have in English, 11 categories to describe our colors. They had five categories to describe their colors and blue and green were lumped into the same category. So if you showed them a ring of circles of green and one square was a different shade of blue and said, show me the one that stands out that isn't the same color, they couldn't perceive it. 
and it took a while to see it. We cannot perceive or see whatever that different color is because we don't have a word for it. We don't have a language for it. Mm -hmm. And so first and foremost, I come in and I join you where you are mm -hmm. and just say, tell me where you're at. Describe where you're at. Use your words, use your language, introduce me to these trees that you're amongst or whatever. And then we're going to look at the forest. We're going to start looking around and mm -hmm. pull you out of that context a little bit and actually start finding you. And I will ask you to talk about other places not just this one role. You're not only in this forest all the time. We're part of many systems. We're performing many roles. So I'll meet you here. But I'm really curious about all this other stuff too, because I want to understand and bring it into what your forest is. Make sure I understand that. Is this about comparing what it's like at when you're at work versus what it's like when you're at home? Or is it about mm -hmm. other jobs you've had in the past? or All of it. Just how we okay. perform in any of our roles. Uh -huh. What we're doing at work may or may not look like what we're doing at home. What is needed, who we have to become at work, may be something that we have to turn off before we go home and vice versa. What's going on at home may impact how we're able to perform in our job. And so really, it's just where's the dysfunction? Where are you not performing in this role or finding a right. disconnect? And let me just find an example in another part of your life, either past or present, where kind of the circumstances were the same, but the perception and your performance was a little bit different. You could see something different in it, so you were able to do something different. And just finding that metaphor right. and that crossover. Right. So I like to oversimplify. Do, yeah. do we often find that when we're facing a, a challenge, especially an interpersonal challenge at work, that it's coming from somewhere else? Or does it just come from work? Sometimes it's not that it's the rest of your life, it's that it's what's happening at the workplace. Yeah. Who we are at work is mm -hmm. what we've been in the rest of our lives. We don't separate ourselves. We, we, we take ourselves everywhere. So who we are at work is going to be informed by who we've been and who we need to be in our personal mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so understanding how the personal informs the professional is really important. So an example of this is I noticed from therapy when people are struggling in their interpersonal relationships or showing up in a conflict in their personal lives, I will often look at, we'll talk about what's going on professionally. Where are you competent? Where do you have a sense of this part of yourself or this ability in these other roles? So let's borrow from that, mm -hmm. right? Why is it easy in this context, but not in this context? Or is something going on in your work environment or the interpersonal piece? Maybe I just don't like you. I don't have to like you to get along. Mm -hmm. But am I okay with not liking you? Am I getting stuck on the fact that I don't like you? Or can I find the cooperation or the cohesion with, again, multiple things being true at the same time, right? Is there something personal about this that's getting in the way of my professional performance? So if I heard that, it's about if, if you feel unsettled in one place or you are challenged or don't feel competent or don't feel like you've got a handle on something here, Go over there and find something that you do have a handle on and say, what can I take from that stability, that mastery, that competence that I can bring over here? Because I guess if I was interpreting that, it would be that we are all good at something. Sometimes it's just a matter of confidence mm -hmm. and we've got it, just it's not with us at the moment. Our context is going to yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. And are we perceiving ourselves in that mm -hmm. context? What are we perceiving about it? What are we understanding right. about this interplay? What kind of a role is that person usually in? Are they 
a CEO? Are they in the middle of an organization? Do they lead a big team or do they work on their own? Is there a way you can say, yeah, it's not exactly this, but quite often they look Mm -hmm. a bit like this. If we think about executive and leadership coaching, right? And again, I'm going to bring these overlaps of therapy and coaching is we're an executive of ourselves. So I am an executive of my corporation, right? So we talk about executive functioning. This is my ability to perceive and take in information, prioritize and get my systems online and get everybody operating for our common goal. And so if you are finding a disconnect in that in any way, that's where I could come in. So I guess it's the person who is saying, I need a little extra help. And that can happen in any place in the organization. But ultimately, executive functioning isn't interrupted when our mental health is unstable. So if we're stressed, if we're overworked, if we're tired, if we're burdened, overwhelmed, all of those things, our ability to have those structures online to make those decisions get knocked offline with stress. And so I do executive coaching and mental health, which is how do we stabilize your functioning in this system so that you can perform the roles and functions that you need to perform? And that really, again, what it is, I don't know how to do your job. I don't know how to live in your life. I don't know what it's like to be in your skin. But again, if your industry has already hit all of those things and you just need somebody to sit with you and say, God, yeah, it seems hard. I don't know what the solution is, but let's look at it together. Mm-hmm. You're needing that companion and that perceptional shift. Is it me? (laughs) You're just like, I'm doing all the things. Is it me? Or you're in a, in maybe an HR role and you're having to hold multiple truths at the same time and support different departments or trying to make decisions that impact each other. That's where I could come in to help you hold that difficult space while you're making those decisions. Let's shift a little bit from what kind of folks you can work effectively with and think about how you actually work with people. Mm-hmm. What's your secret sauce? What's your unique proposition when somebody's working with you? What, what do you do that's a little bit different that breaks things open for somebody? The feedback I get over and over again is the acceptance piece, the comforting piece, is their, I, the non-judgment, non-critical. That's also part of what a shawl away means as well is it's comfort in the uncomfortable. Things are hard enough as they are. This is a place where it gets to be okay. You get to be a wounded warrior for a minute and it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, we're just going to accept it. We're just going to be like, this is, this sucks. This is a little bit hard right now. Mm-hmm. And right. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to be something that you don't want to be right now. We can look at all the parts that maybe exist, but we don't know what to do with or where to go. So I come in and I say, hey, let's make this okay. Okay. Sometimes there's a sense amongst potential clients that they're looking for a quick fix. Mm -hmm. Is a quick fix realistic? Sure. I guess it depends on what it is. So sometimes it can just be, do you want to know why this is all messed up? I can tell you why it's all messed up because you just told me why it's messed up. And we can start to change the behavior tomorrow. But we don't necessarily know, again, the ripple effect of that behavior change until we get it going. And we may not Mm -hmm. recognize the impact of it, the consequences, the echoes of that change, or be able to attach back to it. So I think an example of that would be, say we're looking at diet culture, looking at wanting to change our nutrition and eating habits or and or finances and all of that. One of the things that I hear so often is, Just stop going to get that coffee. Don't buy that coffee, right? Stop going out to eat. Mm -hmm. So we say that. 
right? Eat differently, change our behaviors around that. But going to get coffee was also where we interacted with our community, where we felt seen, where we were part of something. It was part of our routines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we just went and changed the behavior in service of saving money and, and nutrition, but then things start feeling out of order and other needs start to present because those behaviors were meeting a need and we've got to meet them somewhere. So that, that's what it is. We can do a quick fix, but we have no idea what that ripple effect is going to be. And so we've mm -hmm. got to be able to stay with it and with that understanding of, remember we made that change back over here a year ago? It's now showing up and this is the consequence. So it does take time and some effort really to get there. So it's one thing to stand up in front of a tough challenge. It's something to have somebody show you or describe to you how you do this. It's another thing for you to learn how to do it, to actually practice. Yeah. But the one thing we can't do is make you good at it overnight. So what does practicing look like? It means I have to divert some of my resources and my energy and my day, and I'm going to repurpose that, and I'm going to prioritize something else. I'm going to say yes to this and no to all these other things. Right. And again, that has an impact. So if you're saying you want this end result, but the process is where you're getting stuck, how do we get that process started? So one, I want to identify how you're already doing all of that. What have mm -hmm. you already done so far? What has worked? What makes sense mm -hmm. to you? What motivates you? What are you, why is it important even? Just tell me what status is in that what's, and let's use that. And then Again, find out where it is. Where is it available? Let's kick it easy. Let's find the place where we can get the access the easiest so we can build on that inertia. And then you get a taste of it. You're like, oh, I want to be better at this. Now I'm getting this experience. Now I want to go out and challenge it again. You want it to be mm -hmm. hard just enough that, that it seems interesting and that it's earned, but not so much that it's discouraging or that it just comes too easy and it's not that interesting. And we're just like, meh, not really all that invested. So I heard in there the idea of using inquiry as a way of getting a person to figure out whether it's working backwards from the thing that mm -hmm. they've proposed to you to say, okay, let's work backwards from there. Is it more effective to step somebody through a, a model that's in your head or is it more effective to, even though it might take longer, to ask them the questions in such a way that they figure out what those things are. Again, it depends on the process. So I'm going to meet the person where they're at. Some of it can be confrontational and I tend to be, I can be really direct and confrontational. Whereas is this what you want? Cause this is what you're saying, right? So it's a personality wise, what's going mm -hmm. to feel okay. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'll present it and say it out loud, you know, therapy, put it out there. This is what I think it is. And people are like, no, I think it's this. Okay, great. Let's try that then. And we have to exhaust all of these other things until we get to that space, until the person is ready to say, I think maybe I'm ready to consider it could be this other thing. But I had to go through all of this first. Okay. Or it could be, hey, maybe you don't have to do that. Maybe you don't have to go through that. If you need to get a little bit faster, let's go here and we can work backwards to catch all that up. Because maybe we can develop that skill set and catch all these other things peripherally by if we just mm -hmm. changing this one behavior. Other things will fall into line because they're going to have to. And so it's what processes are just going to naturally happen and just let you do it because what we focus on grows. Okay. And so sometimes we can simplify it. Just go get that thing. Great. Mm -hmm. And you'll figure it out. It's trial and error. I love it when clients say, oh, this is the thing that you were talking about a year ago, wasn't it, Natalie? Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. Or here we are again. That's the other time. That's another time to come maybe a 
reach out for my services is I'm in this again. How do I end up here? Or why am I not able to get out of this? Right. Why do I keep seeing this pattern over and over again? Okay. Yep. Let's figure that out. And if I need to make these professional changes, but it means I have to do all these adjustments in order to be available. So if we're going to start borrowing from different areas of our lives, there's going to be an impact. And we want to keep that balanced. Mm -hmm. We want to understand that, right? Where if there starts to get too much of a difference between our professional and personal role. If I want to move to take a job in a different state, a different country, and I have a personal life and all these other individuals who also have their own stuff going on, and I want them to come with me, there's an adjustment that goes with that, mm-hmm. right? There's a there's things to be considerate of and accountable to. I think this has been a great uh, way to start the conversation, and I'm looking forward to continuing because I think there's a lot, Natalie, about the relationship of uh, your experience as a therapist to what you bring to your practice as a coach. And I want to explore that a little bit in our next conversation. I think that will be very enlightening to us. Thanks very much for this. I've really enjoyed our conversation so far. Thank you, Michael. Same here. You've been listening to Coach on Your Shoulder. I'm Michael Hayward. Coach on Your Shoulder is a weekly podcast that you can subscribe to at all the finest podcast outlets. Coach on Your Shoulder is co-produced by Melissa Simmons of Luminology. If you have questions about finding a coach or how you can get the most of the coaching relationship, drop us a line. We always love to hear from listeners like you.